This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today's guest is Laura Rorick. She is a retired registered nurse who previously had severe pneumonia that ended up causing her to have a near-death experience. And today we're going to find out about it. Laura, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. This is actually wonderful because I love to talk about this um, now that I know that I feel it actually was more of a near-death experience. I'll start out, I'll tell you what happened. This happened about 30 years ago, but the memory is still pretty fresh in my mind. Um, I was in my late 30s, I think, something like that. I'm 68 now. I was in my late 30s. I had two small children. I got the flu. And that year, it was a really bad flu, and um, it was going into pneumonia. And I, I got severe pneumonia. And the thing about pneumonia, folks, is that If you have pneumonia, you have no idea how sick you are because you're not getting enough oxygen to the brain. So long story short, um, I ended up in the hospital for eight days with trilobar pneumonia, which means that three of the five lobes of my lungs were pretty filled or consolidated with pneumonia and I could, could not breathe well at all. It was awful. And I was having fevers and coughing up blood and all, all that stuff. So um, they took me by ambulance to the hospital, told my husband that they didn't know if I was going to make it. I didn't know they told him that. I did not know how sick I was because I had pneumonia, I guess. It was like that Jim, uh, um, the Muppets guy who died of pneumonia. He, it, same kind of thing happened. You just don't know how sick you are. So anyway, I'm in the hospital. And I think this experience happened on the first night, um, within the first two days anyway. And what I felt like, I I, I had this experience, it was kind of like a dream. And for these last 35, 38 years, it's been, um, I I called it a near-death experience, but it wasn't until I saw the entire um, I think an hour and a half video of Dr. Eben Alexander talking about his near-death experience and that I realized mine was similar. Um, in fact, I look at his experience as kind of a 12-chapter book. I mean, he, he had the biggest NDE I've ever heard about. But in one of his stages, he um, described being surrounded by all these beings um, and when he said that, I, I, okay, so I'll tell you about my experience and then we can compare them. So what happened with me is that all of a sudden, instantaneously, I found myself in a room that wasn't a room. Um, I was myself, but I wasn't myself. I was actually just consciousness. I did not have a body. So I didn't have one of those out of body looking down at my body experiences. What I had was that I just went from being in a hospital bed to being sort of nothing in this area, kind of a room without walls. But there was part of this area that kept sort of opening. And I was surrounded by 
thousands, if not millions of what I called them my ethereal healing buddies. And to me, I couldn't see them. They were small little entities all around me, but they were thrumming or humming. There was a vibration coming from them. And I got the sense that if I was to see one, it would be like Cinderella's fairy godmother. I felt like I was surrounded by a billion little fairy godmothers and in this area that would open and more would come in. I was just surrounded by them. And it was also a feeling of immense love, like you hear in all these other ones. And it was just very positive. But the funniest thing or the funnest thing about that was that these beings all seemed to know each other. And they were all visiting with each other while they were healing me. So it was like, oh, I haven't seen you since last healing. How have you been? You know, kind of a thing. But um, what amazed me when I listened to Eben, Dr. Eben Alexander's um, uh, version, it was like his was a 12-chapter book. And in one of the chapters, he had a very distinct thing where he said he went down this hall or something, and he felt like he was surrounded by little monks, which I think is very cute. Mine were fairy godmothers. His were monks. But he said there was thousands of them. And I think his had little candles. But there was a thrum and a vibration. And so just having mine be really very similar to his in his description of, of, of that portion of his trip kind of blew my mind. But what what made it even more impactful was, I think it was after that, that I read that the proteins that are in our body that are expelled to heal you when you are sick are stimulated. The proteins are stimulated by vibrations. They were vibrating like crazy. So what I feel like I was somehow in this little chamber with all this energy, it must've just been energy vibrating. And that created, I mean, I'm just looking at it from the nurse scientist point of view that the vibrations then made my body elicit the proteins that healed me because that I was okay after that. I broke that, but um, that's basically what happened. And then I was um, in the hospital, you know, for seven more days after that, getting better. And what what's sad is because I didn't really think of it as a near-death. I mean, it, it didn't cause me to change my life or I didn't, you know, find Jesus or any of those things after that. I just always kind of jokingly said, oh, yeah, I had a near-death experience. But in back then, I really thought it was more just a dream or a hallucination or seeing the blood cells behind my eyes. And then... When I heard Evan Alexander's, I just, it blew me away. I think that was two years ago. And then I did my own little YouTube two-part version of explaining about this. But it it's just a, it was a fat, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, okay. folks. My husband's leaving. That's right. the way of the world. Okay, so it was short, but it was sweet, mm-hmm. my experience. How did you come back? I mean, did you just fall asleep or go unconscious and then wake up later? Or do you remember coming back? I don't I, I don't remember because it was so long ago, um, really where it fit into all that. But I it was that's why I never really thought that it was a near death because I didn't have that. I didn't snap out of my body. I actually did have an out of body experience when I was a teenager. The first time I ever smoked pot, I did have an out of body experience. So I know how that feels. I was 
up in the air looking on the top of my head and it scared me to death and on Mount Tam in Mill Valley back in 1968. So I I didn't have that kind of experience. I Mm -hmm. couldn't see anything else, but it was extremely extraordinary and it stuck with me and I've been telling everybody about it for years and now I really feel that it was as near near to death as I've ever been and mm-hmm. when I heard Eben Alexander's similar right. story. In the beginning, you had already a waking consciousness. You were sitting there in the hospital room and it just the consciousness just transformed from there to an empty yeah. room. There was no blacking out first and coming back or no no transition. It's just you were sitting there and then all of a no. sudden everything whoop, disappeared and then you were just, hey, I'm in a different room. What's going on? Um, I don't even know if it was that. Um, I think I was probably asleep maybe when it happened. I mean, that's why I felt it was more dreamlike. I, I really can't say for sure exactly what it was, but I didn't snap out or pop back in mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. But I was definitely out of my body and not in any kind of a body. I was just like a free-forming energy in another area, definitely not the hospital. Mm-hmm. It was more like just white emptiness space. Um, but the feeling of love and happiness and, and, um, especially the humor, they were just so sweet to these, mm-hmm. these little beings and mm-hmm. so, um, comical kind of, which I think angels are, I, you know, I, I, I do really love the idea of angels and I've always talked about guardian angels and made, I even have an angel card. Oh, I have an angel card. I made this when I was 10. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, oh, and I actually just made this. I got a new sewing machine. Oh, oh, good job. It's so what I've been doing is making angel dolls for people. Yeah, it's got, it had some stents, some Egyptian. I'm just, you know, bringing all my stuff together. Mm-hmm. But so I do, you know, I, Half it's like I'm a split personality. There is half of me that's completely woo-woo that believes all this stuff, especially when it happens to me. I don't always believe everybody else, but I believe what experiences I've had, and I've had a lot of kind of clairvoyant precognition, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. but there's another part of me that's extremely ex- skeptical, mm-hmm. and I just kind of go back and forth between those. But well, you know, I, as far as angels and. No, it sounds sensible to me. I mean, I mean, you know, I think most people are probably skeptical in the beginning, at least. And yeah, you know, that's that's is what it is. When you were in the experience, were you thinking anything like, "Is this a dream? Am I alive? Where am I?" Did you have the realization that you were or were not dreaming, and you were or were not out of your body? I knew that something was different, but I didn't have. I don't have any distinct memories like that it it just and I don't know how long it could have been a fraction of a second it could have been an hour I have Mm -hmm. no no idea uh, because I was so sick at that time I could barely breathe had the high fever so hard to recall but it is an experience where you don't it doesn't fade and I think you said in the beginning I mean it's no no it's Mm -mm. clear or it's, it's still with you 30 years later well, I, what I'd really love to see if they did some kind of study. Are they studying? Well, they must be studying. Somebody must be studying well, in the I'm, 80s. 
I, you know, people are, I think independent people do research on them, like Dr. Van Lummel and other people. I don't know if there's like, uh-huh. you know, the universe. Well, I think actually there's, I think a University of Virginia or something is doing something, but I don't think generally on an academic level, there's a lot of people, you know. Yeah. Because I think that by uh, me putting together my experience with Eben Alexander's and the thrumming and the vibration is the first R2 that I've heard of in any of these NDEs. And I think the connection um, between that and the proteins being stimulated by vibration has just got to be interesting. And and it makes me wonder too about how distant healing, because if a dis- if somebody is trying to heal you distantly mm-hmm. then they have to their energy i don't know i would have to almost travel through the energy systems and then promote some sort of vibration and it just seems all very pl- plausible mm-hmm. i don't know how it all fits together but i think it makes it more scientific for me to have that vibration in there yeah, and I mean, it's not for me to say whether anybody had an NDE or not. You know, uh, yeah, uh, it's not for me. I don't make that judgment call, and I can put my spin on what I think would happen. But it, and even my analysis of it, still may be meaningless. Yeah, but, and then I always go back to those things that those of us who are interested in spiritual mm-hmm. ways or studying, researching all this stuff. Mm-hmm is that we don't even have the capacity to know how to know. We just were, it's a different reality. Yeah. I don't think you have to be clinically dead to have an NDE. You can be near death. And since you are having something, yeah. since you are having breathing problems, that to me, you know, difficulty mm-hmm. breathing to me tells me that, yeah, you could have definitely had an NDE because, you know, you're close to death if you can't breathe. And yeah, I, I I see kind of commonalities. The commonalities I've kind of come up with so far is a lot of people either mm-hmm. pop in, they pop out of their body and they're in this dark space for a while and then they come back mm-hmm. or they go further up through the tunnel into a place of light. And you kind of seem to mm-hmm. do, you, you kind of seem to do neither, but that doesn't still doesn't mean you hadn't, you didn't have an NDE. You may have just kind of, you were near death. You kind of popped out and saw stuff. And saw what was going yeah. on. And saw your body get in healing. Yeah. yeah, or felt it. It was more of a feeling. I did. I really didn't see because it was just like I was just consciousness. But I was surrounded. Every I was just immersed with all this love and little beings and vibration. Mm. And that's exactly in. In fact, in YouTube. I, at exactly one hour into Eben Alexander's one and a half hour near death experience, that's when he talks about seeing the monks. Mm. And honestly, I just, I could not believe it when I heard that. Mm. I just, that was what did it for me. Well, you said you didn't. And then I got more interested and I've been studying them a little bit more since. And I thought you said that you saw little beings, but at least you're perceiving them because you don't have eyes if you're out of your body. I actually did see flutters, but they were so small that I couldn't really see with my eye what they looked like. But the feeling that I got was, it was almost like no at the beach, you know, when you're surrounded by millions of them. no are the little mosquitoes in Mexico. Okay, maybe we call them gnats. Mosquitoes in Mexico? 
Okay. Hmm? Maybe we call them gnats down here in Texas. Okay. Or something like that. So it was something that I knew was there. So I could sort of, because I do remember a visual experience of Mm -hmm. feeling and seeing these entities, my healing Mm -hmm. buddies, Mm -hmm. but they were so small. I really couldn't make them out, but my mind said, oh, they're little fairy godmothers, Mm -hmm. you know, just to give them something I could relate to. But you didn't. But they see- seem to be smaller than the ones in Doctor Alexander's. Um, he but, could see them as clearly as monks. But you did say, or at least I thought you said that you perceived them communicating with each other. Yes. Yeah. That would. Yes. They were. They all seemed to know each other. They all seemed to be delighted to be visiting with each other while telling me. Mm-hmm. And they were almost like they were telling little jokes or "Hi, haven't seen you," mm-hmm. and you know, just a really. Uh, unforgettable feeling of um, just being cared for. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was extraordinary. Yeah. I, I kind of want to think little pixies flying around, but I think that's too big. Yeah. Or your t- bell or, you know, but yeah. It, uh, and when he said the monks, that that just was his version. I, th- I think I, I, or I, my theory, I don't know what I really think, but I think people's NDEs where what they see, like the people who see Jesus, they're possibly maybe people who, okay, they know Jesus and they've mm-hmm. been raised and they see him. I was listening to one of the podcasts recently about mm-hmm. um, that. And I, I was not allowed to even go to church. My mother was an atheist and she, mm-hmm. she didn't want me to go to church. Mm-hmm. I went with the neighbor once and they pulled me home and said, no more. Um, so I've just created my own spiritual ideas and 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 things that I I follow. But I think that people are possibly their experiences are from what they were raised with culturally or whatever. I would agree with that. And then I would also say I've had guests on the show that um, were either atheist or non-religious that still saw Jesus. Now I would I would I'm open to it. See before. I wasn't, I was never an atheist. I've always been open and I've had so many extraordinary experiences in my life, just um, more kind of precognitive. Um, I go through stages sometimes of some clairvoyance, but nothing that I can handle or manage or count on. Um, but uh, for instance, one of, uh, uh, okay, what I was saying about Jesus is I'd love to see Jesus. I would love to be a Christian or it, to know that the way that those people know it. It's never happened to me. I've right. never seen Jesus. I'm sort of very ambivalent about organized religion in general. I just have my own spiritual beliefs. But right. if I saw Jesus, I'd be very happy. Right. Yeah, I get that. And he can still come visit. Every person has their own experience of an NDE. I haven't had mm-hmm. one be exactly the same. Yeah. And and um, maybe we see it through our own filters and our own belief systems. I'm not sure. All right, let's get back to this. So you it it's still okay. there with you for the last thirty years or so. It doesn't fade. Mm-hmm. You said it didn't mm-hmm. really. You didn't really change you. You don't feel like you had any kind of spiritual change. Well, actually, you know, I was just going to say I think I take that possibly it could have awaken some um, latent spiritual uh, skills or something, because Mm -hmm. I I kind of rotate through these stages of having more 
um, spiritual things happen to me than not. And I kind of put that in with astrology transits. I think I'm really affected by the planets in general. Um, but for three months at the pandemic, I was having clairvoyant visions almost every night when I went to bed and then they just stopped. But when I had them, they were, they were pretty phenomenal. So I, I, from what I've heard about NDEs from other people is sometimes it can spark, you know, uh, some new skills with you. And that may have happened from that. Mm-hmm. I did have some stuff happen before that. So it, uh, it I was, I was experiencing pre, especially precognition. I just have a lot of, I've had a lot of dreams that have happened and just having ideas and then finding out that that, you know, happened when I was thinking about it. So I've had a lot of that kind of stuff, but I do think it is possible that it increased it. Yeah, I think so. You haven't noticed like any clairvoyance or clairaudience or... It's more the precognition. Hmm? I was going to say you haven't been out of your body since then. No, nothing that dramatic. No. What I've had is the... um, the precognition and the clairvoyance, I think, but I can't control it. And I know I could try to work with it. I'm not quite ready mm-hmm. to do that. I don't, I'm, I don't know if I'm scared or just want to let it evolve on its own and just kind of let it be. Have you considered hypnotherapy? See what happens. Have you considered hypnotherapy to go back through the incident and see if you pick up anything else? No, that's really a good idea. I've considered hypnotherapy for past life regressions, but to go back through that could be interesting. You never know. Maybe there's other stuff that you're blocking out. Who knows? All right. So what is is your YouTube channel? If people want to check out what you're up to on YouTube. Oh, well, I have a YouTube channel, but at the moment it's kind of stagnant. So I'm not trying to promote anything, but what I did was, um, or I am a foot care nurse mm-hmm. and I teach foot care to help prevent amputations from diabetes, toenail care, especially. Mm-hmm. And I started the YouTube channel so I could teach a nurse in Nepal how to use the equipment that I got to her. I mm-hmm. sent it through some Nepalese friends. She had a whole kit. So I thought, well, I'll just go down and do homeless foot care at the soup kitchen line. And I set up a tent outside the soup kitchen. And as people were in line, for we'd go, Hey, get your toenails cut, you know? And mm-hmm. so it went, I got up to 15,000 subscribers. Um, wow, that's amazing. and I was doing, but it got too big and I was a nonprofit and I didn't know about Patreon. I think one month I made a thousand dollars, but I just couldn't, I didn't have the business sense or what it takes to run a YouTube channel and try to make money off it. And that wasn't my goal anyway. Right. However, Um, what the work I was doing was important. It still needs to be done. And I think we might get it back up and going. I just need more. I have five grandchildren now. So Mm -hmm. all of that was happening during the YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and I can't keep up with it. And the family's first, but I'm getting two friends. They're going to help me. And I think we might start it up again because it was really worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're providing a valuable service to people, I mean, even just something simple as how Mm -hmm. do you take care of an ingrown toenail? Or prevention, yep. you know, or prevention of foot problems. Your story is not, you know, no, you it's have a very a huge small Easter, one. But I still appreciate you coming on. And do you have Absolutely. any? Do you have any last message that you want to share with people, NDE related? I don't know 
know if it's NDE related, but I would, <laughs> I will promote somebody else. I won't promote myself, mm-hmm. but I mean, you can look for me if I ever get my YouTube back up. But I do think, especially in the, for your sanity, <laughs> that Wim Hof, do you know who Wim Hof is? The mm-hmm. Iceman who mm-hmm. does all the, the cold water bathing mm-hmm. in the time of COVID. And this has to do with immune function. Mm-hmm. Um, I would suggest people, anybody watching this, go look up Wim Hof and just see what he's about because it sort of indirectly applies. He does a breathing technique, cold water exposures, and mindfulness meditation, um, all with the goal of improving your immune system. Hmm. So they're actually studying him. Um, Somebody got a Nobel Peace Prize based on the work they did with him He's the first person to show scientifically that we can control our autonomic nervous system, which everybody has said we haven't been able to. And it actually gets into the pineal gland, his breathing mechanism, his breathing exercises stimulate the cerebral spinal fluid to mm-hmm. um, activate the pineal gland. So it's sort of related in a way to mm-hmm. uh, to all of this, uh, taking care of our bodies and our brains and yeah, I think that's interesting. Oh, that's great. Just people check it out. That's yeah. great. All right, Laura. Well, oh, I really one other person. Sure. Oh, I do have one more. Sure. Sorry. Sure. Really important. And you may know about her. St. Hildegard? Mm, I don't know her. St. Hildegard de Bingen. She's from Germany. And she is the first. This is really extraordinary. She totally fits into this. Hmm. Um, St. Hildegard was the first woman composer. She wrote hymns, I think, um, Orinoco Flow, I think she wrote that, actually. But St. Hildegard, she was the first naturopath. She was also a visionary and spent half her life hallucinating. I think she was eating a lot of the herbs back there. But they have whole um, retreats in Germany about her, St. Hildegard, uh, for medicine, singing, composing she was she was one of the most prominent people in the catholic church she was abbess abbess she ran an abbey Hmm. interesting you've never heard of her uh, what was her time period that she was alive she was she was born in 1079 board died 1100 she was 80 something Hmm. uh but she was a complete prophet she was a she was a seer um, a composer, an artist, a doctor, a writer, mm-hmm. a cook, a gardener. She was amazing. She mm-hmm. was really a Renaissance, kind of like the Michelangelo of the. And I do feel, I, I, I honestly do feel, I was reincarnated and that I kind of knew her. I don't think I was her. I think I could have been one of the chore boys on her Abbey, mm-hmm. but I feel very close to her. And that she was an important part my spiritual awakening sort of thing at the beginning of this pandemic when I was having those visions and everything mm-hmm. it was kind of as freaky time a year ago, right mm-hmm. around now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll get Anyway, that's my Wim Hof and St. Hildegard. Those are my. You're two. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those with me. You're welcome. Laura, thank you so much Good for point. joining me. I really appreciate you and I really appreciate you giving me your time. I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Have a great evening. Thank you. And right. to you. And I hope to talk to you. Namaste. Yes. Namaste and good night. And Jumbo. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.